Welcome to New Hope's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Good morning. We are going to go a little old school this morning. We're going to talk about a common scripture, probably one that you have heard tens if not hundreds of times. We're going to go back into it again. We're going to do some expositing this morning. That means we're going to stay on one scripture and we're going to dig every bit of life and gold out of it. We're not going to be wandering around. You won't need to do a Bible search 50 times. One verse, one verse is going to rock your world today. One single verse. And you are never going to see it the same because when I started studying it, I just started laughing like, God, you are crazy. This is crazy. This is ridiculous. All in this one verse. I have a PowerPoint, so let's have it. Now, I dabble in PowerPoint. I told you that before. So it, it'll either be very good or humorous, uh, both of which are okay. There we are. Next verse. Okay, this is where we're going to be. We're going to be in Matthew 18. You ready? Okay, here it is. If your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you, so that by the word of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. That's from Numbers and Deuteronomy. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. If he refuses to listen to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, Whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on anything on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by, their, by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three of you gathered together in my name, there I am there in their midst. Got to put the scripture in context. All right? The context here is uh, church government. Our verse is verse 19. But you've got to put it in context. Jesus is speaking. And he's saying, in this section, he's talking about how to deal with people who are wrestling through sin in the church. How does the church handle that? What's the government of the church look like in regards to individuals that are living in sin or purpose to live in sin? How does the church address those people? That's the context. Church has government. Church has an order. Church has a way that it approaches different situations. That's the context here. He says, if he, uh, go, go to him in private, one person. If he listens to you, you've won him. Right. He said, if he doesn't listen, then two or, two or more go. So that, so that, again, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. So if you go to an individual and they don't listen to you, you take one or two with you. And you go and talk to that person again about this, this sin issue, whatever it is they decided to live in. Says if he refuses to listen to them, then tell it to the church. That's ecclesia. That's the church. It's collective, the whole church, right? In that location. And if he refuses to listen to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile or tax collector. Whatever, truly I say to you, Jesus speaking, remember Jesus speaking? Whatever I say to you, Wherever you bound, bind on earth, excommunicate, set aside, restrict on earth, shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose, absolve, absolution, let go on earth, 
shall be loosed in heaven. It's pretty heady power he gives to the church, isn't it? He says, if you do it, I'll honor it. If you excommunicate, if you bind an individual from attending your fellowship on earth, I'll honor it in heaven. If you loose them, if they come to a point where they realize what they're doing is wrong and they repent, if you loose them, if you absolve them on earth, I'll absolve them in heaven. That's pretty powerful. That's a lot of power to give to a church. Again, I say to you, let's go to the next slide. There's our verse. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. That's our verse. It's where we're going to live for the rest of the morning. And it's crazy. Next slide. If you chunk this down into the Greek, that's what it looks like. You do a Greek study, this is how it was actually kind of written. Again, truly I say to you that if two might agree of you on earth, it sounds a little dyslexic to us, but in the Greek, that's how it worked. Concerning any matter, that if they shall ask, it will be done for them by the Father of me who is in the heavens. That's how we're going to approach it. We're going to break it down into its basic Greek, and we're going to explore the meaning behind what Jesus said in this verse, because we read this a lot. How many? Come on, you've read this tens, hundreds of times you read this verse. Sounds great, isn't it? Nice, nice verse. It's one of those nice verses. Wherever two of you agree, it'll be done by our Father. First of all, this is Jesus speaking. Jesus does not waste words. He doesn't dance around. He's not out to impress anyone. He's not trying to look good. He doesn't really care what you think about him. He's laying out order here. He's talking about church government, and he's talking about how Christians relate to each other, and he's talking about how things get done in the kingdom. He says this to the church. Next slide. Again, first word. It means he said it before. Right? Figured that one out by myself. <laughs> you ever go to a class, college, or high school? Teacher, the professor says to you, I'm going to say this again. This just might show up on the test. Yeah, you bet if you're a fairly smart individual, it'd be good to underline that or highlight it or circle it or put a star after it or something. When they tell you something for the second time, they're not wasting their breath. Jesus is saying, again, I say to you, again. It's probably from Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Everyone who asks, receives. To him who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened to him. Or it could be from Mark 11. I know Jesus didn't speak in the Gospels. He didn't live all of Matthew, then Mark, then Luke, then John. They're all interwoven. You know, so it could be any Gospel it comes out of. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you will receive them, and they will be granted to you. So now he's repeating it again. He's saying, you know what? This is so important. I'm going to say it to you again. Do I have your attention? I'm going to say something again. This is important. Truly. Truly is the same word as verily. You've seen verily? If you're KJV, you got verily. If you've got a New American Standard, you'll have truly. It's also the same word we use for amen. Amen. Amen means so let it be. Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you a statement here that you can actually say amen to. Powerful. This next verse is powerful, this one right here. 
Nowadays, the, the, uh, the uh, young folks would say, this is money. <laughs> or, this is bank, right? Truly. Again, I'm going to repeat it, and I'm going to hit you with a truly or a verily. This is bank. You can take this to the bank. That's what that means. Yeah. This is good. I say to you. Interesting. When you look this up, I say to you means to put something to sleep. To put something to sleep, I say to you. Or to put it to rest. Or to put an issue to rest means conclusion. In conclusion, I'm going to boil it down for you. Jesus says, I'm going to distill it down to you. I'm going to lay this discussion to rest. I say to you, I'm laying this to rest. This is my conclusion on this issue of prayer. You better pay attention. You got to get this. In conclusion, right? You get the feeling of what he's talking about here? Now, we don't pick up all these nuances when we read it. We just read it, and we go on to the next verse, and we go out to Matthew 19. He's saying, this is how it works. Pay attention. I'm repeating it. This is how it works. That if two, two, two of you, he's talking to Ecclesia, the church, right? Ecclesia means the called out ones. It means called from and to. Called from and to. That's what ecclesia means. That's what you are. Called out of darkness, called into light. Called out of the world, called to the Father. If that has happened to you, you are ecclesia. And he says, if any two... He picks the smallest number possible. Any two. It'd be great if it was three or 10 or 20 or 80. But if there's just two ecclesia coming together, I'm going to honor it. Just two. Just two. Three is great, four is better. Two's enough. Next slide. You are not ready for this. Might agree. Any two of you might agree. Somphonea is the Greek word. Somphoneo. Symphony. Where we get the word symphony from, symphonial. If you will harmonize, two of you will harmonize. You'll share your opinions, you share your passions, you share your convictions, and two of you will symphonial, harmonize. It's hard to harmonize. Have you heard that commercial? The guy with the, the, the lady singing linen and the guy singing, uh, what is it, ketchup or tomato, tomato sauce, tomato soup. Ever heard, has anyone heard that one? She's singing 
linen, linen. He's singing, tomato soup, tomato soup. They don't harmonize. That's the whole point of the commercial. It's about, uh, it's about Tide detergent. And they talk about how these things don't, don't uh, harmonize. Linen, tomato soup. It means one voice. Agree together, one voice. Calling out together to be of one voice. To be harmonious. To agree together. Also, there's an if in there. I think it's in the last slide. That if... If is a conditional word, you know, right? If. It's the if word. Right. It's a two-letter word. Right. It's a hinge word. It means there's a condition involved. It means you've got to do something. If you don't do the condition, you don't get what the promise is. Right. If. If two of you will agree. If two of you in the church will purpose to harmonize, symphoneo, symphony, harmonize, voicing the same opinion, because of like-mindedness. Harmony of voices, being in harmony, being in one accord. That's the condition. Now, who knows? You can pray. You can pray a lot of whacked stuff by yourself. You know? You can pray a lot of goofy stuff when you're by yourself. Sometimes we pray selfish prayers. Sometimes we pray panic prayers. I get it. It's all part of being human. God enjoys it, I'm sure. You know, when we just pray stuff because we're like in a flurry or we're in a panic or something's happening and there's a whirlwind and we just start praying stuff out. You know, if you stop and you look back on some of those times, you'd make yourself giggle. Like, oh, I can't believe I actually prayed that. How do you know it's actually hard to do that stuff when there's a second person there? You know, you're less likely to pray something selfish or goofy or ridiculous when there's someone else standing there because you don't want them to realize how ridiculous you are or that you're actually panicking, you know. But in a panic, we'll, we'll pray stuff. But when you have two people together, you tend to kind of refine it a little bit, you know. You kind of say, wait, i got to think about what I'm praying here because this person's going to think I'm a nut job, you know. So you stop and you think, okay, what is, what is the heart of the Father? What would, what would God pray? What's, what does the Word say? What's the heart of the Father? You kind of refine a little bit. And that person, I guarantee, is doing the same thing. As, you know, they don't want you to think they're nuts either. So they're refining. So two of you are kind of working on your prayer here. I think that's the point behind Jesus saying two of you. Because people can fire out all sorts of prayers by themselves. But when you have to actually pray for someone, you've got to think. You've got to draw on your experience with the Lord. You've got to think, well, who is God in the midst of this? And who has God been to me? And what have I seen him do in my life? Okay, and then the other person's doing the same thing. And then you kind of come together and say, I really believe the Lord would have us to pray this way, or this is how we should pray on that. That's the two. That's the kind of the safeguard of the two coming together. And as you're talking and as you're praying and as you're sharing, you're harmonizing. What needs to happen here? Okay. Well, would God do this? No, but he might do that. What could happen? And as you're sharing back and forth and as you're talking about this thing you're going to pray about, there's a refining, there's a coming together of one mind where you say, you know what? I can join you in that prayer. I can believe for that. Now I know your heart or you know my heart. I can believe for that. On the earth. Uh, Jonathan Walton talked about this in the academy. This is the word arena. This is the physical word. This is like where we are right now on earth. This is the dirt where you are right now. If any two of you 
can harmonize, can symphonio together on this earth. It's the arena we live in, which operates in time and space. It's the physical theater, right? It's where we are right now, the physical theater, in which our eternal destiny plays out. It's where things are birthed and created, where birthed and created answers are received. Now, any matter. So how are we doing so far? How are you doing? Okay, again, reminder. Truly, verily, this is an important statement. This is a pivotal statement. I say to you, I'm going to put something to rest. That if any two, any of you ecclesia, We'll get together. Two of you, just a minimum of two, will come together and harmonize in symphony together on this earth concerning any matter. Matter, good definition for that is everyday business with the potential for incalculable eternal worth when done in faith. Right? Matter, deed, action, matter, affair. It's everyday business with the potential for incalculable, eternal worth if it's done in faith. So you got a matter out there that needs to be touched by the kingdom. You have something out there that needs to be affected and touched by the kingdom of God. It can be changed. You have a situation in your life. You have a situation in your family. You have a situation in your work, your church, your community that can, needs to be touched. It needs to be affected by faith and changed. That's what he means by matter. Next slide. That if, hey, there it is again. <laughs> that if they shall ask if there's the condition if you'll ask if they shall ask there's that word ask again remember I, I said in, in, it's in Matthew right ask if you ask you receive you knock it'll be open to you the word ask you know, we know from that verse ask means not only to ask but to keep asking knock means to keep knocking right Actually, you know what that word ask kind of means? Jesus is saying, ask, please ask. I ask you to ask. Does that change it? Ask. Keep asking. I ask you to ask. He's asking us to ask. There's things in your life There's things that are happening around you. There's things that you're looking at that you're wringing your hands over. And he's saying, if two of you will agree over it, if you'll harmonize and say, this is not the way it should be. This is not the kingdom of God. This is not heaven on earth, on earth that is in heaven. That if they'll come together, I ask you to ask about that thing. It's out there. Somebody needs to ask. It will be done for them. Now, this is crazy. This phrase, it will be done for them, implies three things. Movement, change, and birth. It literally means to take something from one realm and to move it into a different realm. That's what it means. 
shall be done for them. Not only that, it means not only that it's some, something is, is taken from one place and it is moved to another place, but that it's changed in the process to fit the new place. So much so that you could almost use the word birth. It's birthed. Babies, when they're in the womb, they live in a liquid environment, correct? When they're birthed, they come to a different realm, the realm of air, right? They leave the water, they come to the air. It's a transition. That's what that means right there, to move something from one place to another. Where does this answer come from? It's in the next lines. The first realm it comes from is right here by the Father of me in the heavens. So this thing that you need, it sits in the heavens where the Father is. And he says, if you'll ask, if you'll symphoneo, if you'll harmonize on that matter that can be changed by faith, it'll move from, the answer will move from heaven to where? The arena, right? It'll move from there to here. And he said, not only will it move, but it will change so it fits this arena, so much so that it'll be like it's birthed. By the Father, by, love these little words, by, para, alongside. What does it sound like? Para, kletos, the Holy Spirit. The Father who walks alongside you in the power of the Holy Spirit. It'll be done for you By the Father who is in heaven, it'll come from his realm to your realm. All right? Right alongside you, it says. The Father of me. I like that, the Father of me. The Father of me who is in the heavens. This verse is just loaded. It talks about transition of one realm to the other. It gives you both realms. It gives you heaven and it gives you earth. It gives you the heavens where the Father is. It gives you the arena the physical theater, all right? It tells you what needs to happen, that if two of you will agree, you can actually take things out of heaven and move them to earth. Now think about that picture. Where do the demonic realm live? In the lower heavens over the earth, right? They don't live in heaven with God. There's numerous heavens. He's up in the big one. He's up in the good one. The demonic forces exist and move in the lower heavens or the atmosphere around the earth. All right? So you're a demon, and you're cruising around looking for someone to harass. And all of a sudden, stuff starts dropping out of the sky. (laughs) And it goes right past you, right to the earth. Oh, this can't be good. Oh, this can't be good. They're in that middle heavens, and stuff is moving past them to the earth. In Daniel, there's a story how uh, the angel said that he was being uh, refrained, right, by an emissary from the enemy, right? He was in that middle heavens, so to speak, and Michael came and helped him, and then he came with the answer. It's a lot of activity. Can you imagine what they're looking at? When the church starts praying, when the church starts understanding this verse and starts moving things that, at, that are at their disposal for them to have, starts moving them from heaven to earth. Why do we do without? Yeah. 
all this has been provided. We See, it's our job to bring heaven to earth. Right? That's the apostolic calling, right? Is to make this place look like his place. You know the genesis behind apostle. Okay, the Romans would come. They would conquer a land, right? I know, if you're tired of hearing this, raise your hand. Probably there's, okay. The Romans would come. They'd conquer a land. And then there was the emperor who was in Rome. And eventually he would come and visit the conquered land. So before that happened, they would send a fleet of ships, perhaps, if that was the travel channel. And on this ship, there would be a gentleman called an apostle. All right? This is actually a term that Jesus used. It is not a biblical term. It is not an Old Testament term. It's actually a word that comes from the culture of the day that Jesus used to explain how things work. And this apostle's job is he brought with him bricklayers and road builders. He brought with him masons and artists. And he brought with him teachers and scholars. And he brought with him all the culture of his homeland. And he brought it to the conquered land. And it was his job to make the conquered place look like the homeland. So when the emperor comes to visit, it looks like Rome. That's apostolic. That's what apostles do. They make the conquered land look like the homeland for the emperor. All right. That's what you're supposed to be doing. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. On earth, this is in heaven. Actually, that's an apostolic prayer. On earth, make earth look like heaven. Make this place look like heaven. How do we do that? Matthew 18, 19. We come together, and we start to listen to each other, and we start to pray together. And every now and then, you'll have someone who just has a similar tuning fork to you. Ding, ding, they match up. And you have symphonio. You have an agreement. You say, you know what? What you're talking about is what's exactly on my heart. I was just thinking that, and that's something I want. You have symphonio. You have harmony. What do you do? You pray. You come together and you start praying. You say, no, Lord, this thing needs to happen here on the arena. You reach up into the heavens and you say, Father, send that thing down to earth so we can see it right around it. Birth it here right on earth. We are uniquely designed to understand this concept. Christians. Why, they ask. Because isn't that exactly what happened to you and me? Didn't he move you from one realm to another? Right? First, second Peter, he took us from darkness and transformed us to light. We've been through the process. We've been through that. We've been taken from one place to another. Let me get the right scripture. 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies, excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. 2 Timothy. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in the suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to works, 
but according to his own purpose and grace, which he granted us in Christ Jesus. He moved us from one place to another. We know it. This is in your DNA. This movement, this ability to move is in your DNA because you lived it. If you know the Lord, you lived it. You moved from one place to another. Now, there's, sometimes there's residual junk in there, but God's dealing with that. He said, if you'll do this, this is what will happen. Now, we have a decision to make. This is either just a nice, cute verse in the Bible, like another Bible story, like Daniel and the lion, or, or you know, it's just another cute thing in the Bible. There's this, actually the words of Jesus. See, there's so much about the Word of God that challenges us. We, you know, there's so much about the Word that challenges us. We've read it a hundred times. Do you believe it? Do you believe that you and one other person can reappropriate what is needed from heaven to earth? You, not only can you do it, that you're supposed to do it. You're supposed to move things from heaven to earth. You're supposed to make this place look like that place. We accept stuff. We see stuff in our lives. We see stuff in the culture around us. We see stuff in the news, and we just accept it. That's just the way that it is. It's just the way that it is because the church is not doing Matthew 18, 19. That's why we're here. That's what we get to do. That's our job. Let's go to the next slide. All right, how do we make it happen? If. If means you've got to do it. What can happen? If. Second thing is, is where does harmonizing take place? You actually have to be around other human beings to hear what's important to them. You have to be around other Christians to hear what's important to them. Whatever that vehicle is in your life, somehow, some way, you have to be around Christians so that you can hear what's important to them and see if you can symphonio with them, if you can harmonize with them. Not everyone can do it with everyone because we're all at different places. Every Sunday morning, we have a prayer meeting in here. And I didn't preach this message to promote the prayer meeting. I'm just telling you, we do. 9 o'clock, 9 to 9.45, we get in here. It's open to the public. It's open to everyone in this church. All the ecclesia that wants to come can come. And we pray in there. And you know what you do in there? You listen. There's been days, there's been mornings that I've been in that prayer meeting. I haven't prayed once. I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm listening to what is important. People pray what they're passionate about. People pray what's important for them. And I, you learn about people that way. The things that are burdens on their heart, the passions that are on their heart, you learn by listening. But you have to be in an environment for that to happen. Yes. If you're never around Christians, you're rarely going to be able to find something you can harmonize on because you don't have a clue. Right. So whatever that is, you need to be connected. I'm looking at Shar. You've got to be connected. You've got to be listening to people. You've got to be places where other Christians are so that you can hear what's on their heart. How would you ever know? You're just singing by yourself. Tomato soup. You've got to be around Christians to hear that. Home groups, life groups, getting together in houses, 
Holy Spirit nights, fire meetings, whatever it is, you've got to be around other Christians so you can hear. You've got to believe that Jesus said to you, I ask you to ask. I ask you to ask. It seems almost, it seems almost sacrilege, doesn't it? That that's what Jesus would say to the church, like, does he really need the church? He doesn't need us, but he wants us to be involved in what he's doing. And he's saying, I ask you to ask. The problem is you don't ask. You have not, because you ask not, James, right? right. Or you ask with the wrong motives. So what happens when you symphonale? You filter out some of the wrong motives. Right? James says you have not because you ask not, because you, and, you ha- and you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. When you symphonale, you filter out some of the wrong motives. You, sometimes you've got to sing until the babies are born. It's okay to agree with someone on some, something, but sometimes you've got to stand in there and pray and pray and pray. It takes, sometimes it takes a lot of wax of the axe to knock the tree down. You just got to be committed to chop the tree down. We're going to keep praying about this until the tree falls over, until the bowl is filled. We use whatever symbol you want to use. You're going to fill the bowl up with prayers until eventually it tips, if that works for you. I like using a tree. Sometimes you chop away the tree, and you got to keep chopping until it falls over. And that's what you do. You get together and you say, no, this is not right. This is not what is happening in heaven. This is what should happen on earth, and I'm going to keep praying about it. Right? Where's, where's Carol? Carol, come on up. Do we have a microphone? Another microphone? Carol does not know I was going to call her up. Carol does not know I was going to call her up. So we're going to extend some grace to Carol, right? Okay. Carol and I are in a meeting. I can't remember if it was the prayer meeting in there or if it was a fire meeting. Some of me, we're talking, we're praying. And I said, you know, Carol, church has got, I was sent to the whole group. I was on a bit of a ramp. I confess. And I said, church has got to be more than just people coming to a building, sitting in a straight rows and looking forward, singing three songs and listening to a sermon and going home and getting their check mark. Church has got to be more than that. It's got to be more than that for me. I've done enough of that. I have. Just come, show up, get my check, go home. I want to experience God. Church should be all about encountering God. You either encounter him for yourself or you help somebody else encounter God. No one should leave church unchanged. No one should walk in the same way they walked out. They either help someone to encounter God or they encountered him themselves. And we've had enough of people sitting forward looking at something and I don't know what we're doing and there's no check marks. You don't get a star. You don't get nothing, a sticker, nothing for coming to church. You come here for an encounter. Amen? Okay. So my rant was over. Carol comes up to me and says, that's something that I can stand with you on. Yep. Right? Right, exactly. She said, we can symphonio on that. We can harmonize. She said, yeah. I like read her mail, and she could have read my mail. But she would have never known if I didn't have my rant in public. And she said, we can pray. So, Carol, we're going to pray right now. You and I are going to pray for just a few minutes for the church. Yeah, right? We're going to symphonale. We're going to harmonize. See, Father, I pray, that, I pray this for new hope, that this will not be a place where people can just come in and slip out, Lord. 
that you love each person that comes in this building as you love every person that goes to every church, Lord. But when they come in here, I pray, Father, that it would not be a comfortable place in a sense of just being able to slide in and slide out. I pray that you, they would have an encounter with you, Lord, that somehow, some way, Holy Spirit, you would touch their lives, you would speak something to them. Maybe it's just one word. But that they would know that they met with you in this place Life is too short to go into just a mode and a repetition and not engage a loving Father. So I pray that for new hope, that this would be a place where the Holy Spirit resides. Go, Carol. Heavenly Father, I thank you that it's in your heart to heal the brokenhearted and to set at liberty those that are in chains and to set the captives free, and that's your heart. And God, that we would represent that that no one would come in here and slip back out going unnoticed, but that every single person would, and they wouldn't feel a spirit of performance, but they would come in knowing that they're loved and accepted, that every single person would know that they are accepted and the beloved, and that there's no hierarchy, and there's, that, that there's no specialty, and there's no sororities and fraternities or special codes, but that everybody is equal at the foot of the cross, Lord God. That there is just a love and an acceptance here, Father God, and that there doesn't have to be a performance spirit on us, Lord God, but that we can just know that we're known by Jesus and loved by one another. I pray for a vulnerability to come to this place, for an honesty, for a genuineness, for an authenticity to come to this place, Lord God, that people would be real and genuine and honest, and that the facades would fall away, Lord God, and that we could not be, uh, that there wouldn't be a judging, but there would just, there would just be open hearts to listen, that sometimes when somebody pours out, all we would say is, I hear you, I, I, I thank you for sharing that, I've heard it, and that that would be enough, and that we would know that we're enough, Lord God. That we're enough yes. because you, Jesus, have made us more than enough and that you love yes. us. Thank you, God. Yes, this would be a safe place to be vulnerable. Yeah. It would be a safe yeah. place to be weak. It would be a safe place to be needy. It would be a safe yeah. place to raise your hand and say, I'm not getting this or I'm struggling or I'm falling down and I, I can't make it. I can't put the pieces together. It would be a safe place where people could just say, this is who I am. Love me who, as who I am. And Lord, that you would raise up hearts, people with hearts of love and compassion to just say, I'm with you. I'm standing with you. I'll stand with you. I'll stand with you until we come out the other side of this thing. Father, this would be a place of love. Too many hurting people not being met. Father, I just pray that this would be true for new hope. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Bob here? Bob Grant? You had to go? Uh, it happens. I've heard that. Grace, come on up. It's easy with Grace because Grace is prophetic. So Grace has a bent and a heart to look at people and look for the gold in people. That's what, the prof, that's what the prophetic does. It looks for the gold in people's life, and it calls it forward. Yeah. That's what prophecy does. It looks for the gold in people's lives, and it speaks it out, and it calls it forward in them. And it says, 
God has more for you. God has a call on your life. And we can agree on that. That's the kind of place we want this to be. So let's symphonial. Let's harmonize on that. Let's just pray that God would break out. Father, I pray that you would break out. I pray that there would be an explosion of people knowing that they are not here by accident. No one is here by accident. That God has a purpose, a call, a destiny for every person's life. I'm seeing just like many of you are just doubting that. It's like this little thing above your head, just like doubt. Like, the, like on a cab, you know, a little cab on the top of a cab. There's a light, and when the, when the cab's in service, they turn the light on. And I just saw that over some of your heads. I just, a little light went on. It said doubt. You're doubting what I said. Is there a call? Is there a plan and a purpose for my life? Yes, there is. For every person, there's a plan and a, person, a purpose and a destiny. And God has deposited giftings and callings within you. And you are called to be part of this body. It doesn't matter what you think about yourself. This is God has already done it. If you're Ecclesia, if you've accepted him in, if you've accepted him into your life, he has deposited within you gifts and callings and purpose. And I call them forth in the name of Jesus. And I wiped, I shut that doubt light off in Jesus' name. Do not walk in doubt. Do not walk in doubt. The reason you walk in doubt is because you're looking at your own ability. And I can tell you, for one, it has nothing to do with your own ability. Nothing to do with your own ability. It's supernatural. It comes from the Spirit of God and the heart of God. Go, Grace. Uh, we just uh, pray and we declare that we are the sheep of his pasture. And my sheep hear my voice. So if you're a sheep, you need to get yourself together and hear his voice because he's got stuff to say. He's got a calling on your life. We speak it over you in the name of Jesus. Even if you've been quiet and you've never done it before, we break off those lies in the name of Jesus and we say every sheep hears his voice. Every sheep has a calling. Every sheep has has a purpose. Every sheep has worth far beyond what you can imagine. So we just agree with you in shutting that light off. You get it? And we turn a light on. Put your hands on your ears. Put them on there. Do it. Everybody do it. Come on. Put your hands on your ears. Go for it. Put a hand on your ear, even if you think it's crazy, because we do pray and speak over your ears to begin to have that encounter by what you hear God say to you in Jesus' name, by the Spirit of God on earth. God talks in heaven on earth as it is in heaven. We declare that over your ears. You will hear by the Spirit of God in Jesus' name. Also, put your hands down for a second. I also speak over you to begin to hear the voice of God for people. You know, you, around you, we are a prophetic church. What that means is we hear what God's saying in heaven. We say it on earth. And I pray that to come forth in the name of Jesus. So you look at the person next to you and say, here's what God's saying. Here's what he's going to do. He's going to give you creative ability you never thought you had. He's going to raise up this thing in you. You're going to know what God wants to do through you. It's new. Amen. Amen. You, you, I, I, I know. I you just want to preach. Go. I, I do. But, here, but, but anyway, yeah, no, are we you're good? good? You're good. Are, are we good? Yeah, you're good. Amen. You, Amen. All right, one more. Wayne, come on up. We talk about the church being powerful and the church being a place where people can encounter 
the Holy Spirit. But we want to live lives, not just in this place, but outside of this place, where people can bump into God and have an encounter with him. Where people can, like the woman who touched the fringe of Jesus' garment, we want to be that kind of person that they can make a withdrawal from our lives, that we can be walking in the Spirit. Now, can we symphonale on that? Can we harmonize on that? Father, we want, I want to be more than just yes. a, a professional yeah. Christian. Father, we thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lord, that you gave us through the inheritance, through your son Jesus, the power to take authority over all things. And Father, I pray for a release in our lives that we would walk with that kind of authority, that kind of knowledge, that kind of understanding, that it would allow us to plow through the very strategies and plans of the enemy, but to plow through to get to, Lord God, those that have need of your power and your anointing and your presence. So, Father, we ask in the name of Jesus, and I pray for the church, that we would open up our understanding. We would open up, Lord God, the spirit, the power that's within us, and allow it not to lay dormant, not for another day, not Mm -hmm. for another season, Mm -hmm. but that your power would arise in us and that we would unlock and release the power Mm -hmm. that's in us so that we together as a people, Lord God, can take your Holy Ghost bulldozer. (laughs) That's what I say, your Holy Ghost bulldozer and plow down every strategy and plan of the enemy. So, Father, I pray, let us arise, let us agree as touch anything here on earth that it would be done so Lord we thank you for the power that dwells within us in the name of Jesus Christ Amen. father yes it's time to become yes yes amen amen it's time to become it's time to become if there's a phrase that I'm hearing over and over and over again regarding myself and regarding new hope is it's time to become it's time to become you know enough you've heard enough you've been taught enough it's time to do. It's time to become. It's time to become that thing. It's time to step into it. So, Father, I pray in Jesus' name. See, I prayed, Lord, what do you want me to talk about? Matthew 18, 19. So I got real excited because the Lord wants to say Matthew 18, 19 to New Hope. He wants to say, I'm calling you to start joining up. I'm calling you to start linking up. So, Lord, what is it, what is it, that, you, what is it that you're going to have us symphonizing about? What is it you're going to have us harmonizing about, Lord? Because you're mobilizing the church to pray. You're mobilizing the church to come together and start asking because you're asking us to ask and to start moving things from heaven to earth. So they need to hear this message today on July 16th, and I'll preach it, and I'll speak it, Lord. But what is it that you want for this place, Lord? And why are you calling us to prayer like this, Father? I say yes, yea and amen, Lord. Let it be, let it be. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither, neither has it entered into the heart of man all that God has prepared for those that love him. And Father, I just say please, please show us how to link up. Show us how to connect. Show us how to harmonize. Help us to have ears to hear how to... How to Find people that we can join our faith to and stand until the babies are born, Lord. That we can say, no, this is the way it should be. And I'm going to join hearts and hands and I'm going to speak out and I'm going to ask, Father, that you would do on earth as it is in heaven. Father, I pray for new hope. I just, I pray you'd give us courage. Courage. 
Courage to become. Courage to become. Courage to step out. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more information on this or other resources, please go to newhopecom.org.